0: onward the definition of onward means to make progress to advance forward it means to continue in a forward direction rather than coming to a halt rather than saying i've arrived it's saying there's more i've got to keep going forward onward is a' it's a declaration for your life to say God there's still something in front of me that you have for my life to do. There's there's a reason why you brought me to Tulsa. There's a reason why I'm at ORU. There's a reason why I'm in this business. There's a reason why you you had me marry this person, why you called me to be a mom as as a father. Whatever season of life you're in, God has something in front of you. He has onward movement that he's called you to make this year. You know, I remember when I was at ORU and I was trying to figure out who I was going to marry because when you go to college, especially Christian college, you think you're supposed to find your mate there. And so I was I was getting desperate. I was coming to my senior year, I still didn't have a wife, and I was like, snap, I got to find a wife soon. <laughs> because if I graduate, I don't know if I'm going to find a wife after this and you know all the foolishness and immaturity that I had and all you freshmen that are here, you'll learn, you'll learn <laughs> But, you know, I was, I was, I started going on all these dates, and they had these things that, oh, are you called roommate dates, where your roommate gets you to go on a blind date, and some of them were crazy, and then one of them was kind of, kind of interesting, and so I was hanging out with this person, we went on a few dates, and then it got to the point where it was like, I'm going to bring her to church, and after church, I brought her to my parents' house for a family lunch. During the family lunch, the whole time, my family is like whispering, they're like, I can't. You know, they're like, I'm like, guys, that's so rude. Don't whisper in front of a stranger. And, you know, like my sisters are walking behind her going, she's the wrong one. And this girl was a nice girl. It wasn't like she was bad or anything. But my sisters, you know, they're picky. And my mom, they're like, listen. You know, so afterwards, I drop her off at the university. I come back home. And I go, what did you guys think? They're like, wasn't it obvious what we thought? I was like, yes, it was, and that was not nice, and my mom goes, well, she's not Ashley. Now, Ashley is my princess. She is my bride. I met her uh, when we were young, and God called us to marry, and it wasn't until later after the situation that I married the love of my life, Ashley Hope McAuliffe, who's now Ashley Hope Doherty. But I think about, in that moment, my mom said, she's not Ashley. You know, my mom liked Ashley. She was her Bible teacher in Bible school and she had watched Ashley come to church and watched Ashley be passionate about God and the things of God on her life. And I said, what do you mean she's not like her? She's like, well, she's nice. She's good, but she's not God's choice. Come on, John Bevere. Good or God? Do you want good or do you want God? Do you want a good choice or do you want God's choice? And I'm going somewhere with this. So hold on. I know some of y'all are like, what is he talking about? In that moment, I remember having this conversation where I I, I said, you know, it's it's comfortable. The the friendship, the relationship, it's comfortable. I I like comfortable. And my mom said, well, God didn't call you to marry comfortable. God called you to marry someone who's going to challenge you to grow closer to God, that you can challenge her, and that this is an iron sharpening, iron type of relationship. Praise God, I had family like that, and then my eyes were opened, and I married up when I uh, discovered that Ashley was called to be my wife, and God spoke it in my heart, but I think about how so many times in our lives, we are spiritually married to comfortable. We are dating a comfortable Christianity. We are, it's like we're in this place with God, and I'm not talking about your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend, so chill out, I'm not asking you to break up with somebody today. (laughs) I'm talking about breaking up with comfortable Christianity. I'm talking about break, that's the title of the message today, breaking up with comfortable Christianity. See, Paul the Apostle was someone who was hungry for a a stronger and greater relationship with Christ. He said, I want to know Christ. I want to suffer like Christ. I want to, that I might be part of the resurrection, whether in this life or through death. Paul was saying, there's more that God has in store for my life than what I've seen so far. In fact, Paul was someone who had broken up with a comfortable way of Christianity. Comfortable Christianity. Sometimes we don't even realize that we're in it. We don't even realize that we've kind of gotten into this relationship with God where we're just comfortable. We're just, I mean, it's just comfy. Like, I don't want to change. I don't want to do anything. In fact, on a day like today when there was thunder and it was raining and you're laying in bed and, oh, so comfy, 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 comfy and God's trying to wake you up to go to church God's trying to wake you up to read your Bible and pray he's trying to wake you up to the destiny on your life and waking up word explosion come on just turn off and God's saying wake up wake up wake up It's time to wake up and break up with comfortable Christianity. (laughs) Ephesians 5.14 says, wake up, O sleepers. Wake up, rise up, let Christ's light shine on your life. And I think right now as a church and the body of Christ around the world, sorry for throwing the blanket on you, Emmanuel, I think sometimes, and maybe you're not not a Christian today and, and you're here, you're watching online, I think it's easy for us to fall into a place of slumber and sleep from the exhaustion of what we see on the news when we see the economy changing and the stock market going down and all these things that are trying to strike fear in our lives and instead of pressing onward, instead of looking upward, we're looking downward and we're kind of just getting comfortable with what we're doing and comfortable in the state that we're in, and comfortable. I've, I've arrived. There's nothing more for me to learn. I've heard every sermon. I've read every chapter in the Bible. There's nothing more. And even Paul the Apostle, who had written almost half the New Testament, he says, I've not arrived. I've not perfected. I've not apprehended this. I'm still reaching. I'm still pressing. I'm still moving. God still has more in front of me. By this time, Paul had been writing Romans. He had had all these amazing revelations. In fact, in Philippians 3, verse 7 through 11, it talks about how Paul had been a perfect Jew. He had followed the law. He had kept everything. He could name all the achievements and trophies that he had accomplished for God. And yet Paul himself is humble enough to say, "Uh uh-uh, I am not going to get comfortable with what I've seen. I'm not going to get comfortable with how far I've come. There is more. I am reaching. In order for you to reach forward, you got to let go of what's behind you. In order for you to grab hold of your destiny, you got to let go of your history. And it may be good history, too. You might have had some good things happen in the past. But God has something greater for the future. He says through Isaiah, behold, I'm doing a new thing. A new thing, I declare. Before it happens, I'm I'm bringing springs in the desert. And today, I want to tell you, God has something new for you. And even, even beyond something new, God has a vibrant relationship that he's invited you into. And it doesn't include comfortable Christianity. God didn't call us to comfort. He invited us into an adventure of onward faith, onward holiness, onward purity. What does that mean? It means to progress. It means to get better. It means to become more like Christ. See Christianity is not an arrival religion. It's a continual relationship. And that's good news. That's good news. That means God's not finished with you yet. That means God still has more opportunities for you, more open doors for you. That means there's still room in your life to improve. I think all of us in this room could take a lesson from Paul the Apostle who was humble enough to say, I have not arrived spiritually. (laughs) Holy Spirit's still working on some areas and fruits of the Spirit that I have not arrived in. I think we could all say, yeah, me too. It's okay. It's okay to admit. and In fact, in admitting it, It should drive us to want more of Christ, to move onward in our destiny. See, God has a calling on your life to move onward. You can't stay where you're at and get to where God has called you to go. What got you here won't get you there. You're going to have to keep growing. You're going to have to keep moving. I know things have happened. I know you've walked through some tough times. But listen, don't be deterred by what you see on the news. Don't be deterred by what happened to you last year. Don't be deterred by what you walked through. The storms, the trials, it's all shaping you to move onward in Christ. Onward. You know, a couple weeks ago I was talking about Pilgrim's Progress, a book I read growing up. and It was about this little boy named Christian. And the whole theme of the book is Onward, Christian soldier. Onward, Christian brother. Onward, Christian sister. He walks through the valley of the shadow of death. He faces giants. He's confronted by temptations. And at times he feels exhausted. He feels overwhelmed by the alluring temptations of the flesh. And yet he feels this calling, this beckoning. Okay, don't stop. Don't grow comfortable. Don't lay down here. There's a race for you to run. There's a movement that God's called you to run in. And it's onward. It's onward. I think about how when it came time for me to start dating Ashley, and I I knew she was the one I was supposed to marry, Ashley said, have you broken up with all the other girls that you used to like? Have you stopped communicating to them on Facebook? Come on, somebody. I just want to make sure I'm not going to date you until I know that I'm your desire, no one else. And I think about how God is asking you, have you broken up with comfortable Christianity? Because sometimes we break up, we go to word explosion, we have these awesome moments with God, and then the next week we're, we're kind of like, oh man, right, right after youth camp, right after a mission trip, we're kind of like, oh, man, I'm kind of missing Comfortable. So we call up Comfortable. Hey, I miss you. It's been a long time, Comfortable. Man, I've really been missing you, Comfy. Hey, Comfy, do you think we could get back together again? And so we go back to comfortable Christianity and and we have these moments where we kind of break up with it and then we keep going back. And I want to tell you today, it's time to break up once and for all with comfortable, lukewarm Christianity. John the Beloved was telling the church in Revelation 3, Christ is not coming back for a comfortable church. Christ is not returning for a lukewarm church. If you're lukewarm, he's going to spit you out of his mouth. How's that for encouraging preaching? <laughs> but you know what John was saying? Listen, you can either settle for comfortable or you can get in the onward plan that God has for your life. You know, I think about the parable of the, of the ten bridesmaids who were going to meet the groom. And Jesus was talking about this parable in Matthew 25. And he said, there was ten bridesmaids and the groom came at a time they didn't expect. In fact, they were all sleeping. But in that moment, five of them woke up, and they were ready. They had their lamps burning. They had the oil ready, and they were ready to meet the groom. The other five, they didn't bring the oil. And what's the meaning of that parable? Well, there's lots of different interpretations that people have brought from it. Theologians have kind of wrestled back and forth about different meanings, and One is, yeah, there's a natural side of preparing for when Christ returns. I think there's a natural side of being ready uh, when disaster might strike. But then there's a spiritual side that I think Jesus is really talking about to say, don't grow lackadaisical, don't grow comfortable in what you're doing, keep moving onward. Keep allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Let the oil of the Holy Spirit continue to propel your relationship, your intimacy with God, your servanthood, all the different fruits of the Spirit. Don't get comfortable with where where you're at. Don't come to a place of, I've arrived, I've apprehended, I'm perfect. See, Paul the Apostle said, hold on, hold on. I'm not there yet. And I'm not going to get caught up on where I should be, but I am, I'm reaching onward. I'm pressing on. I'm reaching forward. I know God has a plan for my life. Three indicators of someone who's broken up with comfortable Christianity. Three indicators of someone who's moving onward in their calling. Number one is humility. Humility is a good indicator that you are moving onward in your calling. Humility. It's the ability to say, I've not arrived. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still becoming who Christ has called me to be. Humility gives us the permission to repent. Something that's missing from the church today is a humble spirit of repentance. You know, last week during Word Explosion, God had me repent as the pastor of this church. God called me. He just said, Paul, there's some areas I want you to get better at, to grow in. You know what? I'd I'd rather be following someone who's repentant than someone who's arrived. And I don't know about you, If you don't want to follow a a repentant pastor, go somewhere else. I'm going to be in a place where I'm constantly saying, Lord, work in me. I've not arrived. I've not apprehended. I don't know it all. I remember sitting in a theology class at ORU and I was going through seminary. I mean, seminary. And uh, I remember this moment where I asked the professor a question and he said, it, 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 it bewildered me what he said. He said, I don't know. It was like the first time I heard a theology teacher say, I don't know. It was kind of refreshing. He said, I'm still learning too, Paul. And he said, and there's some questions you might ask me that I may never know until I get to heaven. It's refreshing to be around Christians who don't know it all. It's refreshing to be around disciples who are still learning what it means to follow Christ, who are still learning and still growing. It's refreshing to be around family members who say, I've not arrived in how much I'm going to love you. I'm going to keep growing in my love walk. I'm going to keep growing in my mercy towards you. I think sometimes we hit a lid. We put a lid on our love walk. We put a lid on our humility. It's like we get this pride, and the enemy of humility is pride. And what caused Satan to be kicked out of heaven was pride, exalting himself above God. And I want to challenge you today, don't let pride steal the work that God still wants to do in your life. Don't be afraid to repent. Come down to an altar call. Don't be afraid to say, Lord, work on me. Holy Spirit, I need your help this week. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. This is what uh, Paul said in Romans 12, verse 3. He said, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. In other words, keep a humble attitude. Keep a humble spirit. He said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, he said, uh, in fact, take on the heart of a servant. Be humble. Think of others better than yourself. In verse 5 of Philippians 2, he said, take on the same attitude, the same mindset of Christ. Christ Jesus, who left heaven and came to earth to be a servant. You know, a good indicator of someone who's moving onward in the relationship with God is their serving. A good mark of maturity for a believer is servanthood. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. The mark of maturity is not how many scriptures you've memorized, it's how many scriptures you've applied. Lord, help me in Jesus' name. God, help me to walk in humility. Lord, help us as a church to always give you the glory, the honor. Help us, God, to never think that we have arrived. Help us to stay in a spirit of humility in Jesus name. God has more in front of you, but you've got to get a heart of humility to say like Paul the apostle said, not that I've apprehended, but brethren, sister, I'm pressing on. I'm reaching forward. Number 2, a good indicator that you're moving onward is hunger. A hunger to learn. Don't come to a halt in your hunger. To learn and grow into who God's called you to be. See, humility should lead us to hunger. And I think hunger is the breeding ground for revival. I think revival starts with a hunger and a thirst for more of God. And I think we're sitting on the front row of a a fresh revival that's going to come to Tulsa, Oklahoma through this church. Come on. But here's how it starts. Yes, here's how it starts. Hungering for more of God. Proverbs 1, verse 5 says... A wise person adds to their learning. A wise person seeks to grow in their learning. In other words, they're hungry. They haven't arrived. There's, there's more that God wants to speak to me, more that God wants to do in my life. Some of you are already thinking about where you're going to eat after church. You're like, let's go to Mazio's or maybe let's go to Kedoba. I don't know where you're going to go, but wherever you go, if you're hungry, you're going to lean in. Hungry people lean in. Like my friend Emmanuel's doing right now, they're leaning in. They're saying, "Okay, God, there's more. There's more that you want to do in my life. There's more that you want to speak to me." You know, was, this last week, I, I had given my son a banana, and I had walked out of the room, and I had just finished my quiet time. So I walked back into the kitchen, and I saw him standing over my Bible. There's a picture of him right there. He's got the banana and the Bible. Come on, it doesn't get better than that—bananas and Bible. And. You can just see he's leaned over. He's hungry for that banana. But I took a picture of it because I think this is what God wants us to be, like little children hungry for the Word of God. I wonder when the last time that you opened your Bible like this. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Whoa. Journal. i got to write that down. When's the last time you were hungry in your devotions? I think sometimes we come to church like this. Well, oh, these seats are comfortable. It's okay to sit in comfortable seats, but don't sit in comfortable Christianity. It's okay to have a nice seat, but don't get comfortable in your hunger for more of God. Lean in. Press in. Paul, I've heard this sermon. I've heard every sermon. I've read every chapter. I read my Bible from the front to the back. You know what one thing my dad taught me? is He had read the Bible like, I don't know, 500 times. And yet he was still underlining it every single time. He was like, oh, wow, I didn't see that on the 498th time that I had read that. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Those Christians who are hungry? Let's be those Christians. Let's be those radical Christians that still think the Bible is relevant today. That this book still is speaking to our lives. That we don't have to come up with some new doctrine, some new theology. Man, let's be hungry to learn what Jesus has spoken to us. Let's not become what John referenced, the church that was itching for a new teaching, a new doctrine. Because they had become complacent with what God had spoken to them. Let us be hungry, like Joshua said in Joshua 1, verse 8. Meditate on these things day and night. Study the book of the law, not till you feel comfortable, but continually, because that's where your success comes from. That's where your increase comes from. That's where your open doors and opportunities come from, is by studying the Word of God. And more importantly than any of that, that's where your intimacy with God starts, is understanding His will for your life, and His Word is His will. If you want to know what His will is for your life, get in the Word. Get hungry for the Word. Come to church hungry. How do you stay hungry? You keep emptying yourself out. Whatever I'm sharing with you at church, whatever you hear at Word Explosion, when another speaker speaks, it's not meant just to stay with you. You need to go and share it with your friends. Go share it on your campus. Go share it at your school. Share it in the workplace. Start a Bible study at your business. Start a Bible study on the car lot. Start a Bible study with your moms in the neighborhood that you're in. Start something. Give out because when you're giving out, you come next week hungry for more. What happens is that oftentimes we get full because we're not giving out. We're not sharing the gospel with people. And church, I want to challenge you. This week, step out of your comfort zone. Share the gospel with somebody. Talk about Jesus with somebody. Open up and talk about what we're sharing in church today with your family around the lunch table. Hey, what does that mean to you? What does it look like to live hungry, to live humble? Talk about these things. Open up and share with other people. It'll keep you in a place of hunger. Paul told Timothy to study to show yourself approved. So it's not just a hunger to learn more about the word, but even a hunger to become better at what God's called you to do. See, we have a universal calling to know Jesus and make Jesus known, but then we have a unique calling where God has blessed you with a niche, an ability, a gift, potential. As a businessman, as a teacher, a doctor, a nurse, a student, a mother, a father, a high schooler, a middle schooler, a basketball player, God wants you to grow in your gift. You say, well, that sounds a little self helpish No, it's Colossians 3, verse 23. It's the Word of God. Paul said this, whatever you do, Do it comfortably. (laughs) Whatever you do with your gifts, as a businessman, as a salesman, do it in your comfort zone. Do it heartily. The word heartily means passionate. If you're going to dance, become the best dancer you can be. If you're going to sing, become the best singer you can be. I think one of the worst things that happens to Christians is they become comfortable in their calling. I've arrived, I went to college, go back to college. I read a book, read another book. You know, the thing that I, I want to do is, right now I'm working on my masters, and I believe that if Jesus tarries, if he doesn't come back in the next 20 years, I want to pursue my doctorate. I want to keep learning. Why? Because I think that as a believer, we should continue to hunger to learn and get better at what God's called us to do. I want to read books, I want to study. And and one thing I do is I ask for evaluations. I'll ask people, tell me what I don't want to hear. Tell me, how can I get better as a pastor? How, honey, how can I get better as a husband? I wonder if you asked your spouse for an evaluation. (gasps) Some of y'all are like, oh no. (laughs) I'm not trying to shoot you with scripture bullets this morning. But what I'm saying is, do whatever you're gonna do as if the Lord is watching. Do it heartily, not unto man, but unto God. Because God will reward you for a passionate life of following Him. Lord, I'm hungry to grow in this gift, to grow in this calling. I think an indication of hunger is asking those questions to people around you honest evaluation. How can I get better as a businessman? How can I get better as a leader? How can I lead my meetings better? How can I get better as a father? How can I get better as a husband? As a a son, as a daughter. How can I do better as a son, as a daughter? How can I grow in in this calling of being a follower of Jesus? My grandma said it last night. It was a great word. She said, Paul, your word was on point. And here's what I think. I think there's a lot of believers and very few disciples. There's a lot of people who confess their belief in Christ, But a disciple means I'm going to walk it out. I'm moving onward. I'm growing. I'm learning. I'm becoming more like Jesus. I want us to be a church full of disciples, fully equipped to do what God's called us to do. And Ben, I want you to come up as I close. Number three, last point right here. Humility, hunger, and hope. 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 Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Hope. See, the enemy of faith, the enemy of hope is not fear, it's sight. The enemy of faith is sight. Because I see empty chairs up there, but in my heart I see a full room. You might see an empty bank account, but in your faith you see debt freedom, you see financial victory. Right now you might see a bunch of school loans But in your heart, you see full-ride scholarship. College paid for in Jesus' name. Every bill paid. As a single parent mom, you might see kids growing up without a mentor in their life. But in in your heart, you have this faith. Lord, you're going to bring a good spiritual father into their life to help them grow and who they're called to be. Maybe you're struggling right now financially. And on the outside, you see things that are discouraging You see the economy change. You see the stock market. You see different stuff happening. You know, Paul the Apostle, he wasn't in some different universe than us back then. All around him, he saw terrorism, beheadings, an unstable economy, all kinds of sin happening in Caesar's palace. I'm not talking about, like, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) All kinds of craziness. And yet Paul says, hold on, hold on. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And he starts going through Hebrews 11, and okay, Abraham had to live by faith. Rahab had to live by faith. Moses had to live by faith. Joseph, when he was rejected by his brothers, thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, accused as a rapist, all kinds of crazy stuff happened to his life, and yet each of them are mentioned in the hall of faith. Why? Because through all of the craziness that they encountered... They held on to hope. God, you're not finished with me yet. God, I know I've walked through, I've walked through some stuff. But God, that's, that's the point. I've walked through it. I've got to keep moving onward and upward. Lord, I, I'm trusting that you've got a plan in front of me. That, Like Jeremiah 29, 11, your plans are to prosper me, to give me a hope and a future. And I think about how God has something that he wants to do for you, somewhere where he's taking you. But you gotta get there. I need some help real quick. We've got two football players in the room. Where's my two football players at? Come on up here real quick. Keats Calhoun and his brother Caleb, they play for Victory varsity football team. I'm gonna close out with this analogy, but see, I think sometimes hope is like a football play that in order to get to the end zone, the quarterback's looking for someone who's moving, someone who's juking out the opponent. So that way he can hit them where they're open. And so, Keats, where do you want to get him to? If that's the end zone, where are you wanting to throw it to him at? Yeah, right, right. Because if he stays right here, he's he's not getting anywhere. He's got to be in movement. But see, when you're in movement, if you've ever felt attacked, it's because you're moving. There's an opponent on you when you're moving. So, AJ, I need your help. AJ, get on this guy. You're going to try and stop him from catching the ball. And so, Caleb you got to move with some hope, with some faith that, hey, I, I, there's something in front of me that I haven't gotten yet. In order for me to get what God's wanting to do, I've got to get past the enemy. I've got to juke him. I've got to push him. I've got to press onward. I've got to press forward. And so, call the cadence. Come on. There we go. Give these guys a big hand. Church college students, grandparents, God has something in front of you, but you're not gonna get it and receive it if you're just standing here like this. Paul, it's comfortable behind the line of scrimmage. No one's guarding me. It's comfortable back here in the backfield. God's saying, I need you to press on. I've I've got open doors, I've got opportunities, but you gotta walk by faith, not by sight. You gotta walk by faith and not by sight. You've got to get past what's happening around you. You've got to move around that because there's something that God wants you to receive on the other end of your obedience to move onward in hope. I want you to stand on your feet all over this room. Humility, hunger, and hope are indicators that someone has broken up with comfortable Christianity and they're moving onward in their calling that Christ has on their life.